Dominus Vobiscum. Et con spirito tuo. Sursum corda. Abemus ad Dominum. Gratias agamus Domino Deo Nostro. Dignum e justum est. Everybody, hope you're having a great one. For this one, I wanted to touch on the spiritual side of things. For those of you who don't know, I am a Roman Catholic, and it has been a part of my upbringing. And I know every generation thinks they're special, and they think, hey, like we're, this is the generation to decay, or this is the generation that is going to save everyone. But you know what? We've been struggling with this up and down in spirituality forever, okay? We're not that different. So I would like to take a moment here and just explain why Catholicism speaks to me so deeply. If I am to maintain any intellectual integrity, I'd have to recognize that your faith is largely determined by where you're born. This is outside of your control. However, the decision to adhere to the rules and dogma of an organized religion of your choosing is entirely in your control. I love and respect all people of all backgrounds, but I confess that I do find it difficult to empathize with philosophies that place you as a human as the sole judge of your earthly deeds. But let me be clear. I am not here to tell others what to believe. Yes, some people have a genuinely pure internal moral compass, but let's admit it, these people are a rare breed. If you've ever seen humans living near desperation, you'll understand that given no legal nor spiritual constraints, we would rip each other apart like the monkeys we are. That's why there's nothing more dangerous than a nice guy. A grown-ass man who believes being nice is the only prerequisite to being a good person, deserving a mate, etc. His only constraints are what his ego allows. Guys, being nice is the literal bare minimum. In order to be of substance, you need to develop yourself spiritually. And the best way to do that is by constantly testing your character against external ideals that others have strived towards for millennia. Coasting on your niceness is not just lazy, it's unfulfilling. But of course, it is far more difficult to adhere to the external rules of an organized religion than to be your own judge with your own set of rules. But you know what? That's the point. Now, why Catholicism? Because religion is downstream of culture, and I am overtly Spanish. Also, the stories, rituals, and symbols resonate with me at the deepest level. Not to mention that the Latin tongue ties it all together. I grew up with this stuff, guys. And you don't have to grow up with this stuff, but... If you find yourself going to mass or you, you just listen to the words and it resonates with you, that means something. Believe in your intuition. I don't care if it is Catholicism. Of course, like I am supposed to evangelize. I've evangelized some people and converted them to Christ. It's a beautiful feeling, yes. But at the end of the day, I'm not your daddy. Ideally, you do this journey all by yourself and you figure out what speaks to you. But I highly, highly suggest you guys sit down, get in touch with yourself and just feel open to the word of God, whatever that means to you. Spirituality, grace, whatever word you need to use, it's out there. There's something much larger than us. And if you just tap into it, you see it in every blade of grass. When the wind combs it over, like hair, and when you're climbing in a tree, when you look at a deer in the eyes, it's everywhere. God's everywhere. The spirit, the Holy Ghost, it's everywhere. Whatever you want to call it, it's there. And so... Let's talk about Catholicism and particularly why it is a practice, it is a religion, it is a theology which resonates very strongly with me and why I have continued to speak about it with people who want to lend an ear towards my message and the message of Christ and why 
it is a central pillar to my identity. And so let's get into it. So why am I Catholic? I found myself answering this question a lot recently, particularly during the summer. This summer, I went back to Spain. It was the fifth time I've been back to that beautiful country, the homeland. And if you aren't aware, that is the place of the Camino de Santiago, the path of Santiago. Santiago is St. James. That's his name in Spanish. St. James was the oldest of the apostles that followed Christ. Christ had 12 apostles. One of them was St. James. He was the oldest one of them. And he was beheaded and was martyred. But before that, he walked across Spain and was spreading the message. In fact, the story goes he walked all the way out to the west and he came across a vision, apparition of Mary, and Mary said, hey, you need to go back to Rome. And back then he was being persecuted by the Romans. And so he knew if he went back, he would be killed. And so he did it anyways. He went back to Rome, was beheaded, was killed. And his followers, they took his bones, they took his body, and which is a big no-no because the Romans knew that if the, he was to be buried somewhere, it would be a place of pilgrimage to go see his burial site. So they were guarding his, his body. But his boys took his bones anyways, and they buried it in where is now present-day Santiago Compostela. And so the whereabouts of his body weren't known, though, for a thousand years until a few boys were playing and where Santiago Compostela now is. It was some small town. I don't think there was anything there before. And they found these bones. They figured out it was... St. James's body, Santiago's body. And so they built this giant cathedral that you now see today. On top of it, you can see St. James' tomb. If you go to the, to the bottom of the, of the cathedral, you can see him there. There, you can and should pay respects to one of the major biblical figures ever. He is one of the 12 men who followed Jesus, one of the 12 disciples. All your friends named James or Jimmy were most likely named after this particular man. Anyways, it's been a place... Of pilgrimage for the past thousand years now. It is what makes Spain so Catholic. It was obviously his mission, but this path in particular, this pilgrimage to go see that cathedral has been a staple of Catholicism for over a thousand years. So people walk all over Europe. I met a girl who left Belgium and she had been walking for three months before I met her in Lugo. We came across in Lugo. And so people have been doing this pilgrimage. A lot of people, Catholic and non-Catholic alike, have been doing this pilgrimage and it's very powerful to see. And so in the last week of August this year, me and my best friend, Mikey, we heard about this walk for so many years, we both decided to do it together. And so we walked 100 kilometers from Lugo to Santiago. And all these paths, or many different paths, many different caminos, lead to the same spot in Santiago, Compostela. And so there's, I told you about a path that goes from Belgium, there's one that you can walk from Rome, you can walk from all over the place, all over Europe. It is the veins of Catholicism of Europe, and it leads you all into Santiago. Anyways, we did 100 kilometers because that is the minimum distance required to get a certificate you can arrive at the at the cathedral and say hey i walked 100 kilometers and they will confirm it because they will give you a booklet a little like passport booklet at each of the hostels where you go to sleep and you meet other pilgrims who are doing the same walk it's actually really nice and you can connect with people and so yeah you will get your passport booklet stamped at each of the hostels you go to or, or albergues as they're known i volunteered at one 10 years ago and it's really cool because you see people from all walks of life there and they're stopping. There's a lot of Germans. The Germans travel a lot. And so you will get your booklet stamped and they will confirm that you have traveled X amount of miles. You need at least 100 if you're doing it on foot, at least 200 kilometers if you're doing it on bike. 
and I think it's 200 kilometers if you do it on horseback. You cannot drive this. Most people are going through something spiritually. I met some people who are in mourning. I met some people who are in the spiritual awakening. I met a really cool girl who was with working with the IDF, the Israeli Defense Force, and she was done, and she wanted to know what to do, so she wanted some clarity, and she heard about this walk, and she's doing it. People from all religions, all walks of life are doing this walk. Met a really cool dude from South Korea. And what's really cool is that once you start getting closer to Santiago, all these paths start converging, and they start becoming a bigger path, and you start to see more and more people as the days go by. So we did everything in four days from Lugo, like I said. The path we did is the Camino Primitivo. This is the primitive path. That is the same path that King Alfonso did, Alfonso II. He is a king from northern Spain. He left from Oviedo, and he walked under his own power, and he did this path, and so a lot of people followed under that one. That's the same path we did, and what's really cool is that you're walking all through Galicia, and you can see the same views that all these pilgrims have viewed for a thousand years, and when you finally get to Santiago, you, you can't help it. You, you want to cry. I've seen a lot of people cry. I, I cried myself. It's just beautiful and it's amazing. And it's so impactful. Also, the part of the walk is to meet people, meet pilgrims, connect. And you have hours on end where you're just yourself with your thoughts. You can be in a moment of prayer, moment of meditation. And it's super rewarding. I'm so thankful I had a friend to do it with. There are many people who do it alone and you meet people there. I highly suggest everyone do this path through this walk. The most popular path, just so you know, is the French path. And that one leaves from France. And it's super popular, very, very popular. A lot of people do it and it's really fun. And the symbol of the Camino Santiago is this conch shell like symbol. And you'll see that marking the path all along Europe. And it will mark the trail all the way to Santiago. I could also tell you guys that we did it in a Jacobian year. So what we had to do is go and attend mass do a confession and visit this tomb of St. James and you would have all your sins pardoned if you go to the confessional and do all those steps. And that's exactly what I did. We attended mass, it was beautiful. They have a giant incense pendulum that was going through the whole navel of the cathedral. It was impactful, super impactful, super powerful. So glad I got to see that and attend mass there. I've also attended mass in the Notre Dame in Paris before it burned down. I'm super thankful for these moments. These are beautiful Catholic cathedrals. To double down on Catholicism, I may be biased. I'm definitely biased, but we have the best architecture. The Visigothic beautiful architecture with the flying buttresses and it is stunning and it is meant to be stunning. I'm going to do a whole episode on aesthetics, but that feeling you get when you walk into a cathedral, a Catholic cathedral, is unlike anything else you could ever feel, in my opinion. It is spectacular. The Muslims do a wonderful job, too, with their mosques. The level of detail. I believe, I truly believe this, and Nietzsche believes this, too, that value equals beauty. Detail equals beauty. Something aesthetic, something beautiful is only aesthetic and beautiful because it took a large amount of effort. Art and beauty are objective. There is a simple way to tell if something's gorgeous or not. Is if it is rare and if it is extremely hard to attain. You walk into a cathedral, tell me you could do that. No, the Sagrada Familia in Barcelona, it is supposed to take a long time. It is supposed to take a long time. Why? Because it is grandiose. It is an oath to God that we are doing the best we can here. 
and just having these symbols out there in your architecture makes the honestly it makes it makes the religion that much more impactful all right but i'm getting sidetracked here yeah that is the camino de santiago now could i convert to islam or any other religion yes but why it's simply not part of my culture although i respect it greatly my muslim brothers are also adhering to the external rules central to their culture to become better fathers, sons, and children of God. That's the key. That's what I respect. Don't be your own judge. Only God can judge you. So for today, I wanted to just hammer that message home that I don't care what you practice. I really just encourage everyone to please step out of the hubris that you can judge yourself. It is far more rewarding to adhere to rules that are hard, that are external to you because you're always gonna be lenient on yourself. Of course, it is far easier to tap into a religion that's part of your culture. Or if your parents are Jewish, if your parents are Muslim, if your parents are Catholic, if your parents are Protestant, whatever they are, of course, it's much easier to tap into that. There's also nostalgia, you're growing up, you're eating the same foods, you're talking about the same stories, but you know what, it doesn't matter. I just really strongly encourage everyone who's listening to this to just understand that difficult things make it rewarding. That's what makes life beautiful in any regard. And in the spiritual realm, you will not find a more rewarding feeling than to consistently go week after week of winning spiritual wars. We are in a spiritual war every day. And of course, there is nothing fulfilling of just being your own judge. And I do recognize that I have a Western bias. I was raised in a Western society with a Western religion, with Western parents, but I have read a lot of Eastern philosophies. And the great late Alan Watts, he was the popularizer of Eastern philosophies. He gave a lot of lectures in the 50s and 60s about Eastern philosophy. Eastern philosophy basically has the same theme that you are God, that we are all collective parts of the same soul, that everything is one, that we're all vibrational, basically a lot of hippie talk, but it's actually real. Like it, I do see... a. a there's a lot of truth in it. We're all children of God, right? But I do find the idea that you are your own God and therefore you're the only one who can judge yourself. I find that to be, I'm sorry, one of the most arrogant things I have ever heard because we're humans. Ideally, socialism would work, right? Or communism would work, but we are deeply flawed because this is how it's explained in Catholicism, at least. We were born with original sin. We are flawed. We were kicked out of the garden. We are humans. We're monkeys, okay? We are naturally bellicose we are warfaring monkeys and so we will ruin things we we are very tribalistic so if we are to judge our own selves we would go easy on ourselves and take the easy way out the lazy way out and you see this all the time so in the spiritual realm that's why i'm pushing this message so hard have you noticed i'm not pushing catholicism super hard on you i'm pushing a religion a set of external rules on you because that will set you free discipline equals freedom i honestly believe that if you follow a external set of rules that is going to give you a lot of spiritual clarity whatever it is i'd be very happy if it's catholicism for you and i can answer a lot of questions super specific catholic questions but it doesn't have to be i'm just saying there is a huge value of listening to and adhering to and striving to adhere to external rules spiritual guidelines you will feel a lot better knowing that you're a person of consequence. You are someone that matters and people look up to you. And as soon as you start respecting yourself and your soul, it rubs off on other people and you make the world a better place. And so all I want to do is encourage people to do that. Now, for this latter half of the episode, I just want to talk about Catholicism in particular. 
Today is Sunday, January 22nd, 2022, and I attended a traditional Latin Mass. Traditional Latin Mass is a Mass structure in which everything is in Latin. And I'm in Virginia right now, just in the suburb of Washington, D.C. So it's actually very hard to find these, but it's beautiful. There's incense. There's a uh, whole ritual that comes with a beautiful song, obviously. In the beginning of this episode, I, I started with, uh, with the classic, The Lord be with you and with your spirit. Lift up our hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Like that, I said that in Latin in the beginning. But Latin is the tongue that unites Catholicism. It, it's that's it's just the truth. The seat of our of our religion is in the Vatican, is in Rome. The Pope. It just has a long history, and that speaks to me not only as a history lover, but it speaks to me as a as a Spaniard. It speaks to me as a man. I love that I can still find this certain ritual, the ceremony that my grandfather and his father before him have all attended. And you know what, my grandfather, thank God, he's still around, and he attends traditional Latin Mass, even still. So I just want to give a little bit of history about traditional Latin Mass, though. And it's a bit unfortunate why it was so hard to find today. So the Catholic Church is organized with bishops, archbishops, cardinals, and on top you have the Pope. The Pope is the vehicle. He's the vessel who carries the Word of God, right? If you notice the Vatican flag, it's half gold, half white, and there are two keys. Those are keys of heaven and earth. And Basically, there's a lot of symbols in the Vatican. I haven't gone yet. If I go, I'm going to cry. But when I go, you'll see that basically the Pope, symbolically, in every other way, he is the connection between the Lord and us. And so what he says means a lot. Pope Francis, Papa Francisco, he's the first Latin Pope we've had. And a lot comes with that. He's very progressive. And in some ways, that's really cool. In other ways, that's terrible. One of the things which I have taken issue with, and it's not his fault, it actually happened in the 60s. There's a conference where the Catholic Church united and they said, you know what, our membership is going down a lot. Let's step away from the traditional Latin Mass because back then all of the Mass was in Latin. You had to know basic Latin and you had to just follow along. But since membership was going down, they allowed the local parishes to conduct their Mass in the local languages. But... What Pope Francis has done since, Pope Francis has declared, I think about a year ago actually, that it is not allowed for parishes to post the traditional Latin Mass times on their websites or bulletins. They cannot announce when the traditional Latin Mass is. And that makes it really hard, for instance, for me to find the traditional Latin Mass today. And the reason he did that is because Pope Francis, he, God bless him, but he is doing a lot of progressive reforms, and who attends the traditional Latin Mass? The traditional based heads who don't like progressive reforms. And so he is trying to avoid a schism within the Catholic Church where the pastors and the priests can say things against the Pope, and so he's making it much harder for us to gather and pray in the traditional Latin Mass way. But if you want to find it, you'll find it. And so I found it today, and it's a very beautiful Mass. It's really nice. And you know what? In Catholicism, at the end of the day, it is the Church of Christ. It has a lot of history. It speaks to me on a cultural level, like we said. But more than anything, I need, I know myself, I need, I need boundaries. Discipline is freedom. It is something that I'm so thankful for. It, it's, it definitely saved my life. It has made me a better person. And so I just wanted to recommend everybody here that they open themselves up, open their hearts up to religion. 
And if you have any questions about Catholicism in particular, I'm more than happy to talk about it. And I hope this episode struck a chord with you in some way. And if you have any questions at all, please reach out. God bless you all. This episode has ended. Go home in peace. Thank you.